Hello and welcome to The Weekly Yes, a podcast where two best friends talk about their joint mission to say yes to life. I am your host, Yara Skakfjord, and co-host is my bestie, the amazing Kristen Guerin. On today's episode, Kristen and I talk about the internal bully or the meanie voice in your head. We discuss jadedness in the entertainment industry and how important it is to pray to catch the bus and then run like hell. Today's episode is a special one because it's the first of a two-part episode. Kristen and I were in the mood to just hang out and share some stories for almost two hours when we recorded this episode. So instead of editing out all this goodness we had to share to make it fit within a 30-40 minute episode, I decided to keep it and spread it over two episodes instead. So for today and next week, you will get to simply hang out with us in a way. So here is our conversation, part one. Enjoy. So I was having a couple of really like good, fun days on set. And and I'm telling you, Dean, about it. And I'm driving home and I'm feeling good about it. I'm like, oh, my God, this was so much fun. I'm having such a great time. And then immediately after, these voices show up in my head where I'm literally like scolding myself for having these thoughts or having these feelings. Because I was like, I was feeling... I was feeling good. I was feeling confident. I was like, oh, this is great. This feels easy. I feel relaxed. And it's I'm having fun with these people. I'm vibing. It's great. And then this voice comes in my head that's just, okay, you know what I mean? Okay, relax. <laughs> this horrible, meanie voice is, okay, calm down. Okay, who do you think you are? What? Like, who do you? It's as if I'm not allowing myself to fully yeah. have a positive experience. Here I am. I'm getting this great opportunity after months of everything being shut down because of the strike and everything. And yeah, I booked something and I get multiple shoot days and everything is great, mm-hmm. but I'm not allowing myself to, to experience it. Or I am, like I let myself experience it for a few minutes and then I just, yeah, I'm like, I'm, sh- I'm shooting myself down. So it's almost as if I'm, I'm in an abusive rela- relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what it sounds like, except the voice is co- the phone call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> yeah. voice is, the voice is coming from inside of my head. It makes me think about now that I'm expressing this to you. It makes me think about my mom, who is also a performer, and she has so many gigs and shows and concerts and experience under her belt. She is in her 60s now. And when she has a gig, my entire life... Every any time and every time she has a gig and you ask her how it went, it's never good. It's never great. It's always it was okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it was okay. Hmm. Yeah, so that's where it's yeah. from. <laughs> and then on the other side, we have I, this sounds like a therapy session. What's happening right now? But <laughs> maybe that's just what needs to happen today. And then on the other side, I have my father, who is way more I don't know, just like he shows up. Like he shows up and he's there and he's always mm. positive and he's, he had a good experience. And he, I rare, never have I ever heard my father say that something didn't go well that he's doing. Like he's, I don't know what's going on internally for him, but what he expresses most of the time 
is, yeah, it went great. Oh, we had so much fun. Or like he's proud of the songs that he makes and sends out into the world and, and his books and his writing and everything. It's almost like these are the two voices that are going mm-hmm. on in, in my head. Anyway, so it was just something I, that I just noticed like today. I'm like, why am I not allowing myself to just have it be nice? Because also it's not a given in this industry that, that you show up on set and it's just nice and pleasant and you like everybody. Like it's not a given. So damn it, enjoy it while it's here. Just be present with it. But my brain. I mean, not just in the industry, but like in life too. In like, ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly. What a good point. Yeah. Just in general, a way to live life. Mm-hmm. I wrote down internal bully. It sounds like you have an internal popular girl bully. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, calm down. Like, who do you think you are? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I don't when like I was, her. No, I don't. I'm not a fan. When I was in, I think, high school, but it might have been middle school. I honestly can't remember. So I'm the eldest of four. And we're all really close the years. Kenny's 18 months younger than me. Kyle's three years younger than me. And then Kimberly's five years younger than me. So Kenny and I have always been a year apart in in grade school. Like he was always one year under me. And then Kyle was three years under me. So when I was maybe in middle school, maybe I was in the eighth grade. Kenny was in seventh grade and Kyle was in the fifth grade, let's say. That probably makes sense. This is probably when this happened. I don't think I did this in high school, but I think I did it in middle school. I'll never forget it regardless of when it happened. Uh, So Kenny and I, we, I mean, in the U.S., you go to school at the crack of dawn, like at 6 a.m. And you get and you're eating your breakfast. It's insane. So like your alarm goes up at 550. You put on whatever clothes you picked out for yourself the night before because you can't think straight at that time. You brush your teeth. You eat some cereal without any. I didn't eat cereal with milk, by the way. I don't know why. <laughs> like Cinnamon toast crunch or Lucky Charms. I just have a bunch of sugar. <laughs> just dry. Three of us would walk to the bus stop in the pitch black. And just stand there and it's Connecticut. So it's like freezing cold. And we just stand there and wait for the bus. And then we get on the bus. Pitch black, no street lights. No. Anyway, this is our morning routine for years. What a weird thing to do for like most of your childhood. I've never thought of it before. Anyway, so Kenny and I had already been in middle school and Kyle was having about to have his first day at middle school. Kenny and I are sitting there exhausted. We're like pubescent teenage, young, like preteens. And we're just like, Eating, I probably have braces. Kenny probably has braces. Just in this picture. There's maybe like a nightlight on in the kitchen, but there's not much. We're just like dead silent, eating our lucky charms. And Kyle comes out that the Kyle's gonna kill me for telling that story. <laughs> He's never gonna know. Oh god, I hope not. So he comes down the stairs and he was like a very he was just a really rambunctious, energetic, big personality. He just, he was, my brother was great. He was just so effervescent all the time. So he's coming down the stairs and he goes, and he starts screaming, he goes, why are you going to go over there? And he was just like the weirdest, most rambunctious child. And he's screaming these random made up words down the, down the stairs as he comes downstairs. And my brother and I, again, Kenny and I, dead silent. And we, I look at him and I go, Kyle, we don't do that. And that was it. Like, you have an older sister who's like, in my case, what was going on was like, again, I was in, in the middle of puberty. I was, I had been in middle school at that point for four or five years. My middle school actually started at fourth grade. And then by the time Kyle came in, it bumped up. So I'd been in middle school, fourth to eighth grade at that point. It was, yes, it was my first day of school. But dude, we'd done this rodeo. There was nothing new. I was not excited Kenny and I were just like, we know this. We're, we were the big honchos so on campus. jaded. Jaded yeah. teenagers. And little Kyle, who's like this excited, what, 10-year-old? I think 10, 11, when you're in the fifth grade. He was so excited. And I just squashed him. And I, so I saw him a couple weeks ago when I was for the holidays. 
And and I said to him, I was like, Kyle's now like a very, his voice is very deep and he like doesn't really emote. And he's like very, he's the opposite of what he was when you were kids. Fascinating. Complete 180. Hasn't had a, a feeling in 15 years. Oh my God, he's going to kill me. <laughs> anyway, so I see him for the holidays and I said, Kyle, do you remember when this happened? And he said, he's, oh yeah, I remember. I said, Kyle, do you think that that squashed you when I did that? And he was like, yeah. And it was, it was all your fault. His whole life changed in that moment. He was like, never again will I express my joy. Joy and in middle school, oh I have God, learned. So funny. Oh, so funny. Anyway, this long story, it's just to say, I think it sounds like you have that in your brain. Mm-hmm. You have an older jaded sister in your brain. Yeah. Who is like in her teenage years, like rolling her eyes at everything. It's just like being happy and being joyful is lame. Yeah. Exactly. And this also goes back to, I remember as a, Throughout my life, throughout my childhood, I was constantly told to relax. I was constantly told Mm. to relax, constantly told to, it was like too much or it was too loud or like you're you're talking too much or you're talking too loudly, which I do. I talk a lot and I talk loudly and I am in certain situations, I am very hyper and happy and joyful and, and some people don't like that. And then, but those people are not really in my life anymore. But then of course, when you get hired for one-off gigs you don't really know who you're gonna be with so you're like where do I need to put the lid on myself and and should one should I do that yeah it even makes me think of the professional or the like the jaded professional of and I just think of that also personal story days but like I was in my last off-broadway show that I did for too many years and I was very unhappy in it because I just stayed for too long I I think at that point it was like four years four and a half years that I'd been in that show And, and I remember new people, like young people coming into the show and being so enthusiastic and oh my gosh, I'm making my off-Broadway debut. This is so exciting. The show's so fun and silly and I get to have fun. And oh my gosh, the music's so challenging. And oh, and I was like, I literally, I was the same person. It was like, we don't do that. Like I literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. with a cigarette, just like, (laughs) just like shooting down. eyeliner, just, (laughs) that's who I was. And I did it in that scenario too of. And I think for me, it was still like, I was just unhappy, which was why. But, but it also comes from this place of, I've been here, like, how many? It's it's, a, it's Sheila in a chorus line as well. Just being like, I'm too, I'm going to be 30 real soon. And I'm real glad. This is, it's that same energy of, I'm over this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I'm sure it's about a bunch of things, but those just keep coming up. Yeah. And I think also a part of it is the fact that I then got a little bit of a vulnerability hangover because I was like, whoa, like I was mm-hmm. myself a lot today. And you never actually know how it lands with people. You know what I yeah. mean? You can actually never know if people are just being polite, if people were actually enjoying your company, or if they're then like secretly saying something about you like behind. Oh my gosh, you're so on. You never yeah, actually yeah, yeah. know. Anyway, so it's just a fascinating mix of things that's coming up with this. And that's what I asked for. Like I said a couple of weeks ago that what I want to do is I want to show up more fully and be more authentic and, and, and be more myself. And, and I'm trying to relieve myself of the pressure of perfectionism and everything. And I'm doing a good job at that, yeah, but it comes with all of these other things because I'm challenging myself to do that. Then a bunch of other things are coming up with it. Also, just as a yes for the past week, just while I'm on this role, I said last week that I wanted to say yes to more. And that has already started to happen. I was only supposed to have two days on set. And now I have four. So so I'm actually getting more. Like I'm getting more time. I'm getting more experience. I'm going to get like more. Yeah, like more money. Yeah. So I was like, oh, thank you. Okay, cool. This is 
It's actually very powerful, I think, saying it in this particular container. I wrote that in my keep. I was like, I'm going to bring my intentions more often to this container, like to, mm-hmm. to the podcast, because I'm seeing you do that and it's working wonders for you. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to start doing this more and holding myself accountable a little bit. Yeah, I think we also there's this episode of, oh, my gosh, I'm like all over the place today. I'm sorry, world. for It's or it's honestly, great. You're welcome. You know, what I mean? <laughs> weird, random stories. Yeah, I was actually thinking before this, I was like, I just want to hang out with Yada. I don't really care what I say on the. I was just like, I'm just going to chill. Hopefully no one listens to this except for the people who are supposed to and enjoy these stories. But I really was like, I'm not going to like preach or whatever. I'm not coming in with a lesson to teach. So there's an episode of, oi, what's the name of that show? Hold, please. Thank you, Hold. Good Omens. Okay. Ah, okay. So there's an episode of Good Omens. Spoiler. This podcast um... should be called The Weekly Spoilers. (laughs) random shows you're not watching and this episode of good omens where the there's an angel and a demon essentially and they're friends and they decide to perform just the tiniest little miracle together they can each perform miracles separately and they were like just the teensiest tiniest one nobody will even register that we did it because they're not supposed to be performing miracles right now nobody in, in hell or heaven will notice if we just do a tiny teeny tiny one but if we do it together then I'll do half a miracle and you do half a miracle. And then it won't even register. You know what I mean? We can make yeah. this thing happen. They go to do a teeny tiny miracle and it's it goes off the charts. Biggest miracle that they've ever seen in both heaven and hell. And they're like, what just happened? What? You know what I mean? And the idea is they're both so much more powerful together. And so I think that's also part of it of just being like, I'm just chilling. I'm just, I don't have to do all the heavy lifting. You don't have to do all the heavy lifting. We're coming into a space together and it's, and then the miracles happen. Yeah. So I agree. I do think it's a powerful space. And the last thing I'm going to say to that is last week, I think it was last week, you were talking a lot about caring less about what others think of you. Yeah. Which again is this. I forgot about that. It's just another yeah. layer of that. It's so hard. <laughs> what was your, yes, in the past week? I wound up spending a lot of time being really uncomfortable this week, just like leaning into discomfort. A lot of triggers, random weird triggers boy, like the weirdest, most random things would just send me into a into deep discomfort. And instead of avoiding that discomfort, I sat in it and wound up doing three epic shamanic listening healing sessions. They were different. Every one of them was a little different. Yeah, it was just leaning into the discomfort and then asking for clarity. So being like, I am in a state of fight or flight right now after this random meeting I had with this person or because this person texted me this thing. And it was, and it's completely things that like would normally not be a problem for anybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I dropped my yogurt. Oh my God, I'm sobbing hysterically. What's going on? That's the mundane, oh, no. how mundane it was, right? That would just send me into a spiral. And I was like, okay, we're just gonna, instead of avoiding it or numbing or whatever, which I tried and didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I know how to handle fight or flight. I'm going to work out, right? Because I know that physiologically it's going to move the fight or flight through me. And and it didn't. And no matter what I did, and I was like, I can't, nothing's working. Okay. I know also if I eat a cookie, it's going to calm my system down because that's the somatics. I know all the tricks, right? Nothing works. I was like, okay, I guess we're just going to have to deal with this. I was just, I was triggered. I tried. And then I said, all right, God, listen, God, creator, universe, I use different names at different times, but I am feeling, show me what this is. Show me what I have to do. Show me why this is coming up. And it was transformative. And all three times it was transformative. So I think leaning into discomfort and just going with the flow, being like, all right, we're going to, this was not how I planned this week to go. It's also, I love this time of the year. Now it's over. But I love 
December 26th through January 6th are the most sacred days of the year. I'm convinced. It is, I mean, it's incredible. They're so magical. So just like allowing those days to be what they wanted to be instead of me deciding on what I needed to get done or what I was like, this is just, let's go with the flow and and embrace this because it's different than any other time of year. So that was really magical. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. It's a very sacred time. Also, I just want to clock and note that that you asked for help. Yeah, I show. really like that. You, I'm going to do what I know. These are the things that I know. Okay, I'm, and I'm going to do all of that. So you try to help yourself. And okay, this is this is where my limit is. So now I'm going to have to reach over and ask you to take care of it and ask you to yeah. help me. I told you about the, the 12 wishes thing that, that we've been doing. Uh, the mm. last day was yesterday. And I, I shared this in a previous episode, but basically the thing is that you write down the 12 wishes and you each day you burn one of them. And then the last one standing, you open it up to see what which one it is. And that one is up to you to do. And the rest is you give to your guides or to the universe or God or whatever. And the one that was left for me, and I'm sharing this because I am holding myself accountable. And the one that was left for me, and it was so disappointing, and it always is. That's like the game. Is, Damn it. I, I really didn't want to do this one on my own. I really just wanted them to take care of it for me because I miss theater and music so much. And I think I've, I've talked about it here before since I moved away from New York and since the pandemic, it just hasn't. It's just been like a weird uh, connection that I've, that I've had with it. So I wrote on this piece of paper that I wished for more theater and uh, music and musical opportunities. And I was so like, I was so mad. Mm-hmm. That this is, I was like, how am I supposed to? Because because so much yeah. of our job is like you show up to the audition and you have no control over yeah. whether you book the job or not. But I think there's something in here about, because the wish was specific, like the way that I worded it is I wish for more theater and musical opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, and if they're telling me that is up to me. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. So that means that the effort that I need to put in is either to create my own opportunities. Maybe that's what's being asked of me right now. And or put yourself in those spaces. That's what I, that's how I interpreted it. Yeah. To show up. Yeah. So put yourself in those spaces. It was like a girl, you know exactly what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There are so many things that you could put on your to-do list right now that if you would just start to do them, it would just start to happen. So it was almost, they threw it right back. I mean, don't even think. Yeah. To ask us for this when you know full well exactly what to do. You know exactly what to do. You're just not doing the things. Mm-hmm. It's true. And it's not necessarily because I'm avoiding the thing. Maybe it is subconsciously, but I am not consciously making the time, setting aside time to yeah. put in the effort. I'm not even putting it on my to-do list anymore. It hasn't been on my to-do list probably for the past year, even at all. Like it hasn't even been in my vicinity. So. I really, I was like, I like my guides. You know what I mean? They were just like, no, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. We don't do that. You can, you can do that yourself. Um, that was a good callback. Thank you. Improv. Improv. Um, yeah. It just reminds me of that Julia Cameron quote, pray to catch the bus and then run like hell. Yes. Or ask for what you want, but also you got to make it happen. You can't pray for, pay to, pray to catch the bus and then just stand there. <laughs> Because you won't catch them. <laughs> and you can't just, I mean, you could just run like hell, like absolutely. But you also want someone on your team, right? Like you want some help. I remember I had this, so I read that. I'm, I used to do this artist way group and I remember reading that part of the chapter. The morning that I, I was in Manhattan and I had to get to Grand Central. 
And I was like uh, down in, in Greenwich Village and it was quite a commute to get up to Grand Central. And I only had X amount of time. I had to get to Connecticut that night. I had something to do the next morning, all this. And I was like, I'm not going to make it. Like looking at the, tra- I'm not going to make this train. And I was like, okay, all right, God, let's make this work. You can, I know you can do it. I know I can make this train. It's going to be, there's no way. Like right now the trains as on Google Maps or whatever are telling me I'm definitely going to miss it by five minutes. And I was on time with 30 seconds to spare because I, so I ran to the first train and then that train was delayed like an, a minute. So I was able to catch it, right? As opposed to, you know, the earlier one. And then I had to transfer to another train. I'll still remember this because I was like just thinking the whole time, try to catch the bus and run. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just read it. <laughs> and then I got to the other train. And again, it was like held in the station and I was able to like run on, right? 30 seconds to spare. Like I got there and jumped on a train and within 30 seconds it was gone. So it was actually a miracle. Also, just to clarify, the Metro North runs like every 30 minutes. So this actually was a <laughs> non-issue. It's a great story. Sorry to let you down there. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. There would there was nothing at stake, <laughs> which I know. But also, I feel like that's also a metaphor. I didn't mean to make it, but if you don't pray, to, if you pray to catch this bus and then you don't run, there will be another bus. There will be like I've been out of the industry for three, almost two, not three years, almost two years. In February, it'll be two years, and I've missed so many things. Right, there were probably so many bookings that I could have had in that time and experiences and money and all of that. But so what? I wasn't, I didn't actually want it. So does it matter? I remember I, I worked on something quite big while I was very unhappy in the industry. So right before I took my break and I was miserable the entire time. And it was something that like I always wanted to book this kind of thing and this kind of role and this sort of experience. And I was so unhappy doing it. I was like, boy, I, this is not, something's very wrong. So yeah, I think it's also timing and, and trusting the universe, trusting that like the bus, the next bus will be there and it's a marathon, not a sprint. What's meant for you is not going to miss you. Mm-hmm. Can't miss you. You need a lot of hope. And you need a lot of <laughs> faith and positivity and just, just to keep your head on straight. And I think also in both of our cases, and I also know that my husband took a very long break from acting yeah. as well. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He came back and... He started booking almost immediately. He had barely taken any classes or done any sort of work in those during those seven years. He stayed creative and he had mm-hmm. a lot of life experiences, which is what I, I know that us actors talk about all the time, that like it's important to have a life and be a person yeah. so that you can have something to pull from, so that you can have something to express. So this is just the my kind of like PSA for people out there that are like, I don't know, scared to take a break. Maybe you are feeling jaded and you need to give yourself permission to not do it for a while. And I would be surprised, honestly, if you have been in this industry for a long time and you've never felt jaded. Mm -hmm. I would be like, I don't believe you. I would plain just not believe them. I had a very similar experience of praying to, to catch something. I bought tickets to see this comedian and writer who is in Atlanta this weekend. And I saw his show when I was in New York in August. So I'd already seen him. His name is Alex Edelman. Uh, The show was called Just For Us. And it is like a stand-up comedy, one-man show thing, like an hour and a half show, only a one act, no intermission or anything. And it's about he's Jewish and he went to a white nationalist meeting in Queens. And then he wrote a show about it. And it's absolutely fantastic. And I was on my own in New York and I just I got a ticket for myself and I saw it by myself. And then I saw it's coming to Atlanta. 
And I really wanted Yadin to see the show. I was like, I love the show. I think you would really like it. I really want you to see it. So I bought the minute I saw he was coming, I bought tickets immediately. And then I booked this job and I'm going to be on set. And I'm like, damn, I'm probably not going to make it hmm. to the show. It's such a bummer. And I told Yadin, oh, you should go on your own. You should see it. He was like, no, I really just wanted to go with you and, and hang out with you. And, and I was like, oh, it's really nice, but I really want you to. And he just wouldn't go That's by himself. Nice. <laughs> it is really sweet, but just go see the show. And he just, no, I want to go with you. I don't want to go by myself. I'm like, okay, fine. So then I tried to give the tickets to other people because I just didn't want them to go to waste. Nobody could take the tickets. Anyway, I wrap. At, so the show starts at 8. I wrap at 7.20. I'm like, oh, my God, I can, we can actually make it. So I texted you and I'm like, I am wrapped. Take an Uber. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> And I'm like, and I'm driving like a crazy person to the theater. I, I make it with seven minutes to spare. Yadin is running like seven minutes late. And because it's a one act and because of the material and it's just like a one man show and it's a small theater, everything. So they're like very strict about latecomers. And the usher is like looking at me. He's like, you better like we have to close these doors when they're closed. You can't come in. You're going to have to watch from the screen. And I'm like, oh my God. I was like, this is so frustrating. This is so annoying. I'm thinking about all the things of well, what if he just hadn't, because mm -hmm. there were little things that he had to do. He took like a very quick shower because he he was just like, I can't go to the theater and be disgusting. But I was getting annoyed. I was like, why did you have to take a shower? I was like thinking about all the things that like, damn it. I was like, I was cursing. I was cursing him yeah. and I was cursing this whole thing. And I was like, wait a minute. A couple of hours ago, I wasn't even able to go. Mm -hmm. A couple of hours ago, I had completely let go of just, I'm not going to be able to go. It's just, it is what it is. Really sucks. Hopefully someone can get the tickets. Maybe they're not going to take the tickets. And then this money that I spent on the tickets, is just gone. And that's it. And I, I had actually let go of it a couple of hours ago. So why am I getting mad about it now? I started praying. I was like, please, just let, just let I was like, guardians of time, can you stretch this one mm -hmm. or two minutes that is left? And then as I'm standing, there's a couple big groups, like friend groups that had just been at the bar that are coming through. And the usher so starts out. She was like, come on, we're about to close the doors. Hurry up. And it's like 8.07. And I see on Yadin's like map that he's not going to arrive until 8.08. And I'm like, please, God, please just let him come through. And then they close the doors. And I'm like, okay, it's done. Damn. And then 30 seconds later, I, I see him come to the floor. And he's walking. And because he has already, I've already texted him. Like, it's whatever. It's too late. Like, we're going to have to. I'll just meet you outside and we'll go somewhere. And he comes through the door. And I tell him to run. I'm like, and he runs towards me and I open the door and I say, the usher's name is Mary. I'm like, Mary, he's here. He's like, okay, where are you guys sitting? And I'm like, we're like in second row. And she's like, okay, go door number one. And we're like sprinting through this corridor, this really dark concrete corridor. And I open the door. We run down the stairs and I see my row B. And we're like, excuse me. We're like getting, trying yeah. to get past the people. And as we're doing it, the lights go down. Okay. <laughs> Like literally at the last possible second, he could not have arrived 10 yeah. seconds later. But because he arrived and the show hadn't started, we like we were able to actually run, make a run for it. And we made it. And then Yadin told me afterwards, I prayed in the car. I was like, oh, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So we both prayed, even though everything externally was telling us that it was impossible. Two different ushers had told me. We're going to have to close the doors. You're not going to be able to, to we're not yeah. going to be able to see you. You're going to have to watch the screen. And I had made my peace with that, but I still prayed. Mm -hmm. And Yadin also prayed and we made it. My favorite part of that story is, Harry, he's here. <laughs> she was just really like an older lady, like white hair and like glasses and so sweet, but also a very anxious bunny. Like she, she was like, she took her job very seriously. 
Like every single person that was like a little late and people, it's a Friday night and people are just like chatting and they have their drinks. She was like, come on guys, hurry up. The doors are about to close. Like she was like very, she was so anxious. I just, you guys had such a clear, you were in it together. You and Mary yes. really, yes, this is, we're going to make this happen. And she was like, Funny. she scanned my ticket beforehand so we wouldn't have to do that when he arrived. Oh. It was like a whole thing. So the story reminds me of, I've been in a similar place this week of faith and I've been here for a couple weeks now, maybe two or three weeks at this point, but it got more intense this week. So I would say like my two biggest yeses were first off leaning into discomfort, allowing that to change me, holding space for what's going on internally that's creating the, the discomfort, saying yes to what the trigger was doing to me, being like yes to the trigger, allow the trigger to take over and be like, okay, let's see what the hell this is about instead of saying no to the trigger and being like, I refuse to acknowledge this, right? So that was the first thing, which led to some really deep healing of stuff that I can't believe it's taken me this long to work through. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's just so integral to my life. And anyway, so that was the first thing. And then the second thing was absolute certainty, which is a Kabbalistic principle, which basically means faith. Just having trust that everything's working out as it's supposed to work out, that the choices you're making are the right choices. There's this really beautiful principle that's if there's two choices to make, the right decision to make is the one that you make with certainty. If you were to make the exact same decision, but be unsure of it and second guessing yourself, it's the wrong decision. Make the exact same decision, you make it with certainty, it's the right decision. I love that so much. So absolute certainty, just trusting in the divine, trusting in the creator source. And that happened a lot this week with, I'm so I'm looking for a subletter, traveling tomorrow for a couple of days and then Thursday for a few months. And it's been... Hard. I never usually have a problem finding subletters, but I really was struggling this time around. And I finally found someone I really wanted, I really liked, and she strung me along and then bailed on me. I was like, damn, that really sucked. And I had to just keep having faith that it was going to work out exactly as it was supposed to. And that it was happening in that way, which was shitty. The way it happened was shitty. But I was like, I had to keep trusting that it was happening in the way it's supposed to happen. So that I could process the things I needed to process because that prompted in me a bunch of triggers and forced me to deal with some stuff that I didn't realize I needed to deal with. So if I had the perfect subletter who I wound up going with, who I knew about anyway, it's a friend of mine who subletting, she had asked before anyway, and I'd been like, oh, I'll let you know. If I'd just gone with her at the get-go, I could have avoided all of this, but I wouldn't want to. I had absolute certainty that this was happening exactly how it was supposed to happen. And I could just trust that I would find somebody. And again, it's similar to the story of, of Grand Central, of having to get to Grand Central, but then there was like a train 30 minutes later. So why was I like, pushing myself? <laughs> because the reality is there was actually no crisis here. I have, so I live alone. I, I live in a studio apartment. I don't know where I live, so it's fine to say <laughs> I have a lockbox outside the apartment with a set of keys in it. Mm -hmm. So I don't even need to meet the subletter. So there's actually zero stress here. Again, like the, there's another train coming. Like I could be halfway around the world doing interviews and just be like, great, here's the lockbox code. Let yourself in. Pay me yeah. and let yourself in. But anyway, but I did put, and I think that's also, gosh, talking about the timing of, you were just talking about, I'm not writing even on my to-do list to do yeah. musical theater work or music or theater work. And yeah, and I think for me, it was like, no, this is the timing. I want this timing to work. Do it. Does it need to? No, I can trust that the next bus will come, but I want it to. So I'm going to catch this bus. I'm going to catch this train because I choose to. Anyway, so that was one whole thing about just having, and the whole time I was just like, I just need to have absolute certainty that this is working out for, for, the, for my best, for their best, whoever wants the subletting, for everybody involved and for the world. That's it. I just have to have faith that this is happening as it's supposed to. And it totally did. It panned out exactly in the best way possible. And then I also have, so I have a flight tomorrow that is on, I don't know if folks have heard, there was like this whole thing with the Boeing 
Max 9 planes. But, oh gosh, horrible stories. Nobody was injured. But Alaska Airlines, the door ripped off of an Alaska Airlines flight. Yeah, isn't that crazy? My While nightmare. it was like in the air. Oh my gosh, horrible. Some kid had his shirt ripped off of him and like flown. Isn't that crazy? So the mother, this is just like what I heard obviously from in the news. But the mother was like holding on to the child like she was afraid that he was going to get ripped out. But everyone was safe. They were able to land and everyone was okay. So all of those planes have been taken out of commission. I go to my plate. Obviously, I have that airplane tomorrow. <laughs> that's my, that's the plane, the makeup plane. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, oh, I could have gotten any other plane. So I had a bit of a panic yesterday into this morning. And I was like, what if my flight gets canceled? I have, a, I have to work on Tuesday. So I absolutely have to be there Monday night. And to the point where I bought extra protection for my credit card, I paid extra 30 bucks so that so that if I get a two hour delay or cancellation, they'll book me on any flight and any airline from this airport to that airport. Right. Anything for the for 24 hours. So I will get there. Right. Like, that's how insistent I was. So United sent me a thing being like, you can change your flight if you're worried. But I was like, this is actually the flight I want to take because I have to work all day. And like, this was yeah. Like, I was like, if this goes, this is the plane I want to be on. Had to keep having faith. I didn't. I called my mother and she was like, book it. Just change it. But I was like, there's an extra fee. And there's yeah. anyway, I said, here's actually what happened. So this morning I said to myself, are you sure you want to do this? I was like, you have two, two different paths here, right? You can either book it and have something sure that, that like that night at like 8 p.m. you're going to be able to get on a flight. It's not that plane. You'll be on a, you'll be on a safe flight. Or you don't book it and just trust that it's going to work out. And if it doesn't work out, you do have flight cancellation or like you have the this extra special insurance that will like get you on a plane. And I was like, I was in this moment, I was operating from a place of anxiety and fear. Yeah. And I said, I can't make this decision like this. I'm making this decision from the wrong place. And that's actually what made me not make the decision. I said, I just have to sit this. I was like, I'll come back to this. If it winds up costing me, like right now it's an extra hundred bucks to, to change my flight. Pricing might go up if you wait. But I would rather make the decision from a place of certainty and pay the extra 50 to 100 bucks than make it from a place of anxiety, fear, scarcity, and pay less. End of the story is I go on, this was like 9 a.m. And I don't know, I would say like by 2 p.m., 2.30 p.m., I go on and check. And I was like, okay, let's just see what's going on. And they've changed the plane. So it's no longer a Boeing Max 9. And that option to like rebook is not even available anymore. So I'm now on a plane that is safe. I didn't have to pay anything extra. And I still have my travel insurance, which if I'd booked a new flight, I don't know that it would necessarily work anymore. All worked out for the best. And I just literally had to have faith and an absolute certainty that all was working out exactly as it was supposed to and only take action when I was coming from that kind of place. There are certain decisions, even though they might seem mundane. This was like an elevated mundane decision because of everything that had happened with your safety and everything. But it's like, not everything can be controlled or should be necessarily decided by us because yes. either we have limited knowledge or we don't have the full scope of everything that's happening. And or like you were saying, the state in which you are making this decision is not conducive to the situation. <laughs> so I really I really like this little story because it's like you decided you're like no i'm gonna sit this one out i can feel that this is not i am not at my best right now i cannot make a level-headed or like a decision with absolute certainty i'm in a state of fear so i'm gonna sit Mm -hmm. this one out like jesus take the wheel (laughs) yeah sort of yeah and i'll be back yeah i'll be back when i'm in a better headspace i'm just gonna let this sit go about my day focus on other things yeah 
So it wasn't like um, a throwing your yeah. hands up in the air. I just don't know what to do. So it wasn't from that place. It was more just like a very conscious, I'm going to take a step back for a second and gather myself and and come back. Yeah. I think there's something about the way that the way that we're raised or something or what we're taught is we are we're expected to have the answers all the time or we're expected to know what to do. That concludes part one of this week's episode of The Weekly Yes. We hope to see you next week for part two of The Voices in Your Head. You will find us on all major podcast platforms as well as YouTube. And you can follow us on Instagram as well at The Weekly Yes. Keep saying yes, and we'll see you next week.